Some Colorado schools are doing away with the valedictorian award because they feel it's too competitive. Leah Thomas wins the 500-yard freestyle, becoming the first transgender swimmer to win a Division I title. And Tom Brady comes out of retirement to compete again for a Super Bowl title with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Turned On Podcast, and we are going to talk to one of the greatest competitors I've ever known coming up next. Hello, and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. We are going to talk to somebody today about competing. I believe that everything that we do in life is with a sense of competition. And, and that's what we're going to talk about because some people right now are going, well, I, I'm not sure if I believe that, but competing in life means winning, and it's biblical. It's biblical. We'll get to that. But my guest today is a silver medalist. She is a world champion. She is a, um, she's a competitive mom. She's a competitive business partner. She is a competitor in general, and she is the the best competitor that I know because I lay my head down next to her every single night, and I'm going to talk to my wife, Angelique, about competing. Ange, what do you feel about that word? Well, I have absolutely no idea what you've got up your sleeve here today. So, I mean, I feel a lot of things about that word, but, you know, I'm grateful to be here, and I appreciate I appreciate you wanting to interview me. Well, let's talk about what happened last night. You woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I did. And when I saw you this morning, you're like, I was up at 3. What were you doing at 3? Uh, my mind was racing about business and how I can make, um, business more, uh, simple and replicatable, uh, not for just for us, but for, you know, the partners that have entrusted us with their future and their livelihood. So you kicked and punched your way for 10 years for a living and Mm -hmm. and you competed. Tell me what your titles are first. So anyone out there that doesn't know, I mean, it's a pretty impressive resume. Um, state champion, uh, was a national champion and I was a world silver medalist, um, in Taekwondo in Taekwondo. Yeah. And, um, and it's in the, which was called the American Taekwondo Association, the Sangam Taekwondo Union and the world traditional Taekwondo Federation. Okay. You ran track in high school. I did. What'd you race in? 100, 220 and, uh, relays. You win a lot? I, yes. Um, <laughs> I was also a long jumper. And you won all the time, okay? And uh, you entered, uh, when you blew out your knees, you entered um, You entered fitness competitions. Your first fitness competition, how'd you do? I won first. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to set that up. I, knew, I know the story. Um, let's go back to Taekwondo, because one of the most interesting things about Taekwondo is how do they decide who you compete against? 
Well, I think every style is different, but um, ours, we had to go by age and rank. So, um, and, or, sorry, and gender. So when, with kids though, for instance, like my daughter, Ella, she's in it. It is, it's just, it's just rank. There's, you know, there's, if there's boys in her class in her age group, they're competing against each other. Um, Do you remember the first time that we watched Ella compete and, and spar yeah. against a boy that was older than her and about a head taller than her? Easily, yeah. What, what was going through your mind? Me personally? Yeah. I was cheering her on because I, I, you know, I that was the mentality of competition that I was kind of, I wouldn't say brought up in because I did it all through my 20s. and mm-hmm. you know, But it was, I mean, for me, it's empowering to see her do that because it, it tells her that she has no limitations. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to talk the lead into this. You know, there's three really powerful stories that came out last week about competing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, oof, I mean, they're not just your average stories. Let's talk about them. Um, and the reason why I wanted to bring up this one is, you know, we're talking about this Leah Thompson, this uh, Thomas, is it Thompson or Thompson? I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know. I've seen it so much, but um, basically, he uh, is competing against women for, and he won a national championship. And I think the thing that really struck me the most, there's two things, is when I saw him on the podium next to the other girls, I mean, physically, come on. he It looked like Andre the Giant next to, you know, a normal person. Yeah. And so to deny that there's a physical advantage there is crazy. The second thing that really right. tugged me emotionally was the person who just missed out on qualifying. In other words... You know, mm-hmm. only so many people get to qualify. And she was like, that's not fair. Right. I mean, because she didn't even get a chance to compete, you know. So there was a place taken yeah. by a man. Now, look, this is one of those topics that is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and we know as Christians where we stand on it. But from a competitive standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that's fair? No, I mean, look, when we practiced, when we practiced, we practiced with, you know, with men um, and like Ella, when she practices sparring, it's boys and girls and girls and, you know, girls and boys and boys. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But when it comes to actually competing, when you go to a competition, mm-hmm. you're not competing against somebody, uh, you know, on, on the opposite end of the gender spectrum, if you will. Like, you know, I, I'm not competing against men. Right. I don't spar with men. But we fought. Oh, we for sparred, sure. You and I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this is interesting because... Look, I, I YouTubed a video the other day, uh, one of these, you know, flashy YouTube videos, 10, 10 men who challenge female fighters. And it was like some blogger who was like 500 pounds, and the girl beat him up, and it looked like a publicity stunt. But there were some other ones where guys, you know, this goes back to the days where, um, you know, there was a huge gap in, in gender in terms of equality. Yeah. You know, there, there, there are, I believe it's Title IX in NCAA where it says, you know, we have to give just as much for women's sports as we do with men. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. You and I physically, though, when we first met, I was in peak condition. I was probably about 215 pounds. Um, you were still competing um, for fitness, and we would spar. Mm-hmm. Like, we would we would wrestle and spar. And I tell this story all the time. Like, I couldn't give 50% against you. I couldn't give 75% against you. Like, when we were, when we were sparring, I had to give it all. And But there's still a, an athletic advantage that um, a man could have because of testosterone and things like that. Yeah, so absolutely. when we're going against, when we're going, against, you know, they want to say follow the science, but you know the science right. is is there. Right. Um, 
but I just don't feel it's fair to have someone like a girl. We have three girls, yeah. and if they competed all their lives, and I have some guy who's um, all they do is they they just start their testosterone therapy therapy to suppress it. But we don't. It's only I think the rule is has to be a year mm-hmm. that they're on this therapy. I mean, you can obviously look at that person on stage, and you know this opens a whole can of worms right now. Yeah, and and. There will be people who say this is a civil rights issue, and I'm like, mm, you know, this is a this is an issue of common sense. Yeah. If I see that kid on stage next to my daughter, and they're competing against each other, someone has a clear physical advantage. Yeah. And, and so, my question goes out to that that person's father: is how can you sit there and watch your son, who you've raised all your life, compete against women, and then hold his hand, hold his fist up, like, and pump his fist and say, so "I'm my, a champion." My question is: Did he compete against men? He was and, like 423rd, ranked 423rd. So there's your answer. Yeah. He couldn't win. He couldn't win. He couldn't win. So because he wants to pretend to be a girl, yeah. he wants to compete against the women where he can. And yeah. and that's that's the problem. Darren lies the problem. Right. So look, this is this is this is not about this transgen this is not a transgender episode. This is not No. We are setting up what it means to be a competitor. And, and the reason I brought that one into it is because the, there's a mindset. If you win, let, let's put it this way. If you win and you find out that, you know, your team cheated or, or that it wasn't fair or somebody else gave you points and whatever competition it is, as a competitor, you shouldn't be able to sleep at night. And you should probably want to give up that trophy. Like, if I ever won anything, I want to know that I won it because I won. And, and let's take this back to kids. You know, sometimes you're playing with your kids and you're playing card games or we play Monopoly or we play things with our kids. And, you know, our little daughter Phoenix was five and she wanted to win so bad and she was, you know, placing her peg on the board and she was going ahead and ahead and she was so excited. And at the end, she had one question in this game to answer, to win, and I wanted her to win it so bad because she had never got to beat her sister or mom or her dad. And she missed the question. And and the next role, Ella won the game. And I looked at her and I was like, oh. And Angie, remember, we, we wanted to almost rig the game because she's yeah. five. We wanted to give her a victory. But as parents, where's the lesson in that? There isn't. So, But she, she builds more character. Um, she builds more character knowing that she's going to have to take a loss. She builds more character knowing that she has an opportunity to take that loss as a learn and say, well, what can I do differently next time? What, what did I learn from getting that answer wrong? What did I learn from missing? What did, you know, now this isn't a game of strength. This was a game of, you know, happenstance, you know, these are like roll the dice and here's your spaces. And yeah, if you maybe missed the answer of a Disney movie, you know, you, you get it wrong, but Sometimes board games, you know, are just chance. They're just luck. But when it comes to, you know, physical strength or mental strength and aptitude, like that's something you work at. You work at. And I want to teach my girls that you you should never want to win by cheating. Right. Ever. And you learn nothing that way. You gain nothing that way. You didn't gain physical strength. You didn't really gain a championship. It's all, it's a lie. You're living a lie. Okay. And you did that for what? Your ego? Right. right. Your ego. So the point is, is like maybe your ego is bruised right now because you lost, but it's an opportunity for you to get better. And we have to take those opportunities to get better. So we have a choice. We have a choice to allow the loss to come, you know, to beat us down and say, I never want to do that again and hang up the gloves forever. Or we get angry, you know, there's there's a righteousness in yeah. that, you know, where you say, you know what, no, screw this. Like, I 
I know I can be better today than I was yesterday. And I know I can be better tomorrow than I am today. So I have the opportunity yeah. to, to strengthen up. I have the opportunity to build, you know, build my inner man and woman. So I remember this vivid story. I mean, I, I've told this story a hundred times. Um, I played little league baseball my whole life. And I would say probably sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, we are on a team and we are getting our tails beat. Um, I remember I played shortstop and I remember we went through the opposing team's lineup three times. That's nine batters, three times. We were in the field, right? We were in the field for about an hour. And, and, and I think we got beat that day 27 to three. Now they didn't stop the game. They they didn't stop the game in those days. And I don't vividly, I mean, I recall it like it was yesterday. I remember, you know, the coach gathered us around after the game. Some kids were, some kids were crying. Um, and, uh, he looked at us and he says, how's that feel? Mm -hmm. And like, it sucks. You know, it feels terrible. He goes, yeah, it's terrible. He goes, so you know what we're going to do? He says, we're going to show up at practice an hour earlier tomorrow. And we're going to work our way because this is unacceptable. Now, in today's day and age, they they have these, you know, run rules. Oh, they would, you know, let's a mercy rule. You know, I mean, here's the thing. There's no there's no lesson in the mercy rule. You know what? If if you are bad and you're getting whipped, then practice harder. Now, even in our high school, we had kids that I grew up with playing Sandlot football with that were awesome. Mm -hmm. And we had a a high school called St. Thomas Aquinas in South Florida. And, you know, guys like Michael Irvin went there, okay? And so can you imagine all the guys in my neighborhood that were supposed to be competing? My high school team went 0-10. But there was kids that lived a couple blocks away from me that were competing for state championships at St. Thomas Aquinas. There was a thing called recruiting. You know, I don't, I don't look at that as, as terrible. You know, they went where they had to go. But I do look at the fact that we were taught to compete at an early age. And as we segue into the next story... My best friend in high school was the class valedictorian, the smartest kid I've ever met. Um, he would do things like math questions that we'd see on t- television competitions and answer them in his head. He was, a, he was a genius, and he was the valedictorian. Well, uh, starting with the class of 2026, the Cherry Creek School District in western Colorado, western uh, Arafone, I don't even know how to say that county, but in western, uh, this county in Colorado, they will not give special recognition to students who have earned the highest grade point average. In other words, they are going to do away with the valedictorian because they say um, the practices of class rank and valedictorian status are outdated and inconsistent with what we know and believe of our students. We believe all students can learn at high levels, and learning is not a competition. So again, we're taking this woke evolvedness now and saying for, for hundreds of years, at university levels, at college levels, at high school levels, they've had a class valedictorian to honor the kid who worked the most. Again, we're taking competition out of it. I know kids who wanted that. I worked in college um, with people who got to decide because we went to the Harvard of the South, Florida State University, Right, and I work with uh, people who worked at the state capitol who got to decide um, who got nominated for the academies. So I don't know if any of you guys know about how hard it is to get into Air Force Academy, Army yeah. Academy, and, and these things. You have to be like the best of the best. And so what we see is now they're doing away with competition, and on now it's grades. Do you think, Angelique? Do you think over in China? 
No. Do you think in India? No. Do you think in Japan? Do you think in, in, the, in the countries that we are competing with that they're going to say, let's do away with grades and that's going to help us on the world stage? Uh, no. I mean, and that's why I feel like we as a country um, look ridiculous like right now for so many different reasons of, of the stuff that we're arguing over and and doing, you know, to mitigate our our emotions and feelings. It's just, it's just absurd. Um, in regards to the valedictorian though. So I, I fully agree with what you're saying, but by the same token, I don't know where my valedictorian is now, but I have a feeling I'm far more successful than she was. Oh yeah. So, you know, here's the thing, like, what are we, what are we measuring? And I think if there's, if there's going to be any validity to that point, it has nothing to do with not honoring their grade point average. It has more to do with the fact that we all learn differently. You know, we, we have different, we have different strengths. We have different interests. We have different focuses and we need to remember that, you know, if I'm an A student, but not an A plus 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 student, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't take away from the fact that I can succeed so here i don't care like i here's the thing i didn't care i didn't care who the valedictorian was nor did i care about her gpa nor did i put her on a pedestal so that's the answer you know for me is like well you know what what do you say to that i don't know because from that standpoint you know taking it away you know i guess the question is is what are they gain what are they gaining well, here it's just we're taking competition away at all levels. Right. So we're taking it away with the swimmers. We're taking it away with little league kids and giving everybody a trophy and having mercy rules. And well, now we're taking away with grades. It has nothing to do with who's going to be more successful. And I remember, look, there's street smarts, which if you look at the most successful people of all time, the business leaders, the moguls, you know, most of them dropped out of college or didn't even go. I would have a bigger problem if everybody got a, got a chance to have a speech. I would I have a bigger problem if everyone got a title, including the valedictorian, versus taking it away. Yeah, I, I just think what we're doing is we're teaching a younger, younger generation not to compete. Right. And when you teach not to compete, if, if, if let's put it this way. I don't care if it's a good intention in your heart and you're saying, well, it's not appropriate. You have to ask yourself, what's best for the country? What's best for us? If other countries are competing and we're, we decide not to compete, just like other countries are drilling and making oil and we decide not to, well, who's going to win in the end? Yeah, yeah, it might have been a very altruistic thing that you wanted to do. It might have been something that, that sounds great, right. but Nobody. guess what? If, if it's not good for your, your bottom line, for your, uh, you know, for your survival of your country, you know, then it's not good. Like we see right now, everyone's like, well, you know, we got to do away with fossil fuels in our country. We got to do away with all this stuff. Meanwhile, you know, China and Iran and, um, you know, Russia, they're all going to drill. So are we going to get a moral victory, pat ourselves on the back when, when we're broke and, and our kids are starving? It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when we look at our heroes, you know, here's the, here's the ironic part. This is where it's so silly, you know, um, we're sitting there, and these schools will say, hey, we'll, we'll bring in, you know, all these motivational speakers to the colleges and universities, and these people are all winning, but we're going to teach you not to win. Right. If we look at the kids right now, they're looking up to Michael Jordan. They're looking up to Tom Brady. Why? Not because they're average, you know? 
you, you're not going to see a lot of Baker Mayfield uh, jerseys sold in the next couple of years. I don't think anybody wants to be average. I don't think innately anyone decides, says, I just want to be average. I want to hide in the corner. I don't want to be recognized. It is, it is innate for us to want, for us to desire victory. Because if you look at it biblically, he won, right? So we, we should have the, the last say, if that, if that means anything. What happens is we're conditioning people now to not care. We're conditioning people to all work at different levels and still get, you know, some kind right. of, you know, some kind of validation, which if you just look at the behavior on Instagram and TikTok, it doesn't work that way there. Right. It, the one who has the most followers and likes wins. So what are we saying what are we saying? And but you have to also look at going back to the other countries in China. Okay, from what I understand, their TikTok uh, and their TikTok algorithm. algorithm favors the videos where someone is like engineering something or you know doing something extraordinary, and then ours, ours are favored by you know people that look like. God only knows what. Yeah, okay? fart jokes, basically. Yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah that. we're honoring fart jokes and, in this country <laughs> and doing choreographed, you know, dances and lip syncing. Yeah. We just look foolish. We look foolish. We have no strategy at all. Well, you said it's biblical, right? And and you know, First Corinthians nine twenty four says, "Run in such a way as to get the prize." Now, it's it's not, you know, you know, people will say you can take any scripture and kind of fit it to where you want, but run in such a way to get the prize means we're supposed to compete. Uh, we're supposed to do good, you know. We are we are giving gifts, and we're supposed to steward them. So nowhere in the Bible does it say you're supposed to be uh, poor or in debt, right? Um, we we see that between Jacob and Esau, right? The birthright one esteemed to it, and the other one didn't care. And which one was favored? Yeah. Which you know, it, it's a very strong language there. Mm-hmm. You know, God. I mean, this is a hard for people to wrap their head. God despised one mm-hmm. because he he didn't he didn't take advantage of. Of what he was given, his birthright, and and so when we when we look at competing, and as we get older, we have to compete. That's the thing. If we're teaching young kids not to compete, you and I right now at middle age, we have to compete harder than ever. Yes, you know we have to compete. It's it's much harder to keep our bodies in shape now. It's much harder when when you're not as let's let's be honest. When when um we watched those home movies yesterday, you know, and I always joke oh, around with Angelique when I'm 28, you know my. There's no wrinkles on my face. I'm tan. Um, I, you know, I'll look like the picture of health. And physically, right, you have to compete for that. We have to do more things now to compete to keep our body in physical shape. And that's what brings us to our next story is when you have a guy like Tom Brady. You know, I used to hate Tom Brady because I was raised a Dolphins fan. And let's face it, he beat the pants out of us so much. But then um, about midway through his career, I said, you know what? I, I can't hate on this guy because look at his work ethic. I mean, he's 44 years old. And I knew when he retired a couple months ago, I'm like, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait on this one. I know the Brett Favre story. I know this is Tom's first retirement. And I know Brett Favre was a heck of a competitor. Brett Favre, I can do my John Madden imitation. Oh, Brett Favre was Brett Favre. But uh, I know he's a competitor, right? <laughs> but oh, yeah. Tom Brady is is everything Brett Favre was, and I think, love him or hate him, I mean, 
I put him and Michael Jordan in a category that I just don't know anybody else that can compete. Now, I don't know hockey that well, so forgive me. Um, I, you know, the greats like Wayne Gretzky, I, I know he had talent. Baseball, um, I know there's guys out there that, were, that, you know, over the years that you can say, hey, man, they were super competitive. And maybe it's a generational thing that I just can't think of them right now. But as a sports reporter for years and the guy who was in NFL locker rooms, um, as a guy who saw Michael Jordan play live and who I was a huge basketball fan back in the, in his day. I mean, I watched all of his games. I can't think of two guys that exemplify competitive more competitiveness more than Jordan and Brady. And I'll say this, and I'll let you speak about Tom Brady. Going back to Jordan... I was a huge Miami Heat fan, and when they were at their best, they had Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, Jamal Mashburn. They had they had one of the most talented teams that I can remember, and still, Ange, and still, I knew going into the game we had no shot against the Bulls. Even in our best year, you had this feeling that there's no way that you can beat Michael Jordan, and it was a and it was a mindset that he Jordan had that basically helped him beat other teams before they even stepped on the court. And so you've competed at high, at high levels like that. You've had to go against the best of the best. So what do you think a Tom Brady and a Jordan has that you also have? I don't, I wouldn't put myself in their category, but. Um, well, you're, that's because you're humble. Take your humble hat off for a second. <laughs> Take your humble hat off. I've seen you. And guys, I know she's my wife. And I know she she would never say it. And look, those guys are the best of the best. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting her, but no. she's got that same mindset. Like you could you could race somebody right now outside, and you would want to win mm-hmm. because you have that mindset, and you brought it into you brought it into business. Mm-hmm. So talk about Brady and Jordan, and and just what that means to be a competitor, and how we can bring that mindset into business. Oh God, I don't know. I it's. I don't know what makes what that is. I don't I don't know if it's something that you're born with or something you work at or a little bit of both. Well, were um, you born with it? I mean, examine your own self. Why I did mean, you want to win? What did you have to prove? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was anything I had to prove. I didn't, I didn't Well, what age do you remember? What age do you remember going I ain't coming in second? Very early. Like I'll seven. kick and punch it. It's seven. Yeah. And and was it that mindset that I'm just not coming in second? Yeah. I remember racing the boys in uh, about second grade and winning. And I'm like, I'm not letting anyone beat that record. Like, I would hold the record for Pine Acres Elementary. (laughs) Last night, you you and I, we were kidding with the kids. We had a a contest to hold, who could hold their breath longer. Yeah, I didn't know you were participating. Uh, Yeah, and I, and I, and I... And I won, but but you only won because I didn't know you were holding your breath. I just it's, let my breath go. And she I was did, like, she didn't know the competition because she'd probably pass out before she let me beat her. Sure, even holding our breath. For sure, I was. I I had minutes to go. Um, I don't know. I just there's just something. Maybe it, my dad was a, an athlete. Maybe there's, you know, something in there. And I I don't know. I I don't know what. I I really can't speak to if it's developed or you're born with it or whatever, but it's something that I can't shut off. Um, I mean, I remember specifically wanting, you know, going back to my martial arts days, 
I specifically remember wanting the title so bad, not because I wanted a trophy. Like I, I threw my trophies out. Right. I threw my trophies out of my my championship. So that didn't. It wasn't a trophy for me. It was just an. It was something to compete and win. It was something to be better today than yesterday. To the point where, now mind you, I wasn't just competing. I trained and taught professionally. So at the end of 10-hour workdays, I would work an, another two hours on my, my own self. And then I would go home, take an ice bath, wake up the next morning, do it all again, then, then teach, then train again. So I was training morning, morning before anyone else, afternoon break around lunch, and then evening until sometimes midnight. And then I would go home and I'd get in my ice tub so that my body could recover faster and do it again the next day. And I was so sore. I, I'll never forget how sore I was, but I knew it was the only way I could get through it. Right. And that was... It was there's a bit of sacrifice, what you're talking about. It's the oh, same yeah. type of sacrifice that you woke up last night and you could have said, you know what, this is a thought, yeah. but I'm going to sleep on it. This is a thought, I'll write it down and do it. But you were so compelled, you woke up in the middle of the night and made a phone call to Australia yeah. or, or a message to Australia because yeah, you knew they hour. were up. Yeah, for about an hour I started doing some work. And then, you know, what's interesting is I was able to fall back asleep after that. And I thought about that. Like I felt more, I felt like I could rest when I struck when the iron was hot. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we don't do that enough. We don't do that enough. Yeah. We don't we don't strike when the iron's hot. We don't we don't strike when our when our passions are at their highest. And then complacency sets in. Yeah. Or the feeling of meh comes ar- comes around. Ooh, meh. And yeah. then we just don't do it. But because it was had me up at three, three o'clock in the morning and I couldn't rest, like there was the the anxiousness of getting this thought out or this in motion, I woke up and I said, that's it. I'm either just going to get up and go downstairs and just like start writing these thoughts out or I'm going to set it in motion. And so I, I messaged one of our partners in Australia and I said, here's what we're experiencing. Here's what I think needs to be done. And let's get this on the calendar this week. And that was, that was my game plan. The minute I was done that conversation an hour later, I was able to lay back down for another three hours and fall asleep immediately. We don't do that enough. Right. And I think that's where a lot of times we allow dreams to spiritually kill us. Well, I believe, so for me, um, again, I compete in sports, but I never had a national championship or, or even a state title or anything, you know, but I always played sports and it was competitive. And I remember wanting to win. I remember, um, I remember even in college playing flag football and uh, someone, some guy came in, and I was playing quarterback, and his head hit me in, in my, his head hit my nose, and I was wearing a white t-shirt, and it was just, it looked like it was tie-dyed red. I mean, and I thought he did it on purpose. I was ready to fight this guy. I was like, let's go right now. I was just, it was just at a height of competition that, you know, when, when you're young and, and you're in that moment, you know, and I think I say that because as we get older, we have to find that same aggressiveness because what you just said is the thing that I want to get across in in both of my books is you don't want to go into your later years in life with a dream in your heart. 
you don't want to go in. The worst thing that we could ever do is regret. And that's not just in business. That's not just in sports. I'm talking about the personal relationships with the people you love. You don't want to go to your to your grave knowing that you could have had a better relationship with your son or your daughter and that you just didn't give it enough time or effort. You know, These are the things that we need to talk about. So when we talk about competition, it's got to transcend sports for sure. But that's oh, just yeah. the best metaphor for life that I know. I'm telling you guys, I worked... I interviewed Kurt Warner. I've interviewed Derek Brooks. I've interviewed you know guys like Warren Sapp, uh, Peyton Manning. I was in the locker room with these guys, interviewing them, and I've interviewed boxers, fighters, uh, college athletes, female athletes. I mean, I had a completely new respect for female athletes once I got my first job um, at the University of Tampa um, as being their beat reporter, and I and I saw girls that were just like. They were so um, competitive to get to that level, and I was so impressed. So if we go to something that um, our good friend Tom Brady, when I say our good friend, I never met him. (laughs) But when I go to something that Tom Brady said, listen to this, my friends, this says it all. And it it echoes what you just spoke of, Angelique, so I want you to speak to this. He says, a lot of times I find people who are blessed with the most talent— who don't ever develop the attitude. And the ones who aren't blessed in that way are the most competitive and have the biggest heart. So the number one thing I can speak to of this is the NFL draft. I can't tell you how many guys get drafted first because they have the biggest arm or the most upside. And they're very rarely the ones who make it. Now we go to Tom Brady, a six-round draft pick. The best player of all time, hands down. We, we, that that argument in the NFL is gone. You're, I don't care who you are. Tom Brady's the best NFL player of all time. It's gone. He's a six-round draft pick. And he says right here, because he wasn't the best. He didn't have the most talent. If you've ever looked, if you haven't done this, Google it right now. Google Tom Brady, his combine photo. Do they take pictures of the guys? Yeah. Have you seen it, Ange? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean... No yeah. one's picking that guy first. No. If you looked at his body, he he, vanilla. he looked malnutrition. Yeah. Malnourished. Yeah. Um, malnourished, yeah. See, she's even competitive when she corrects me, guys. <laughs> um, but speak to that. Those with the most talent seek because I think it was sometimes given to them. Very rarely you do have that person who has a lot of talent. Like, let's face it, Michael Jordan had physical talent. Oh, the God. guy can fly, right? But he matched it mentally. His attitude, for sure. His speak to that. Uh, well, you know, I can't remember where in the Bible, but it talks about not letting the sun go down on your anger. I don't think the sun should go down on your passions either, um, or your talents. And that's, that's what I think about when I think about a Jordan or a Brady, or even what I was just sharing about myself, you know, it's just, I have, you have to harness, you know, we're, we're given, we're given time and space and, and the energy all at the same time same point to, you know, to capture what we're given, right? But if we don't meet it with heart, we don't meet it with attitude, the talent is wasted. You know, it talks about the parable of talents. There's ones that are fearful. There's ones that are trying to protect it. And there's ones that invest it. Like we have to invest in our talents, just like I would want to invest in a relationship or invest in a business venture in, or invest my time in winning, there's an investment that takes place, and that's not just physical because of your, your yeah. you're good at it. 
it means that I have to have the attitude, the winning attitude to want to, to want to take it to the top because yeah. otherwise I could be the smartest person in the room, the most athletic person in the room. But if I don't take my attitude to practice, if I don't take my attitude to, uh, training, if I don't take my attitude to the, you know, daily methods of operation to run something, then what difference does it make? It makes no difference. It's, I'm not going to be celebrated in, in a, in a locker room. I'm certainly not going to win on paper with commas behind my name because I didn't put the work in. I can talk about how great I am at business or how great I am at something, but it doesn't matter. Talking is idle. And that's what happens a lot these days. People can say anything on the internet and they can do anything and they, you know, they often exaggerate and they can say it, but if it's not there, it's not there. I mean, you can, you can make it look right. You can catfish your way into success and make it look like you're winning. But that's the problem. When you lay your head down at night, you got to know. Michael Jordan, um, if we go back to Michael Jordan, he said that. You have competition every day because you set such high standards for yourself that you have to go out every day and live up to that. In other words, it is an internal desire to achieve. And he said, I feel like my competitive drive is greater than anybody else, even when it came to that debate. You know, he's, people will say, you're a great competitor, but he's going to say, you know what, I'm the most competitive person I know. So if you're looking for people to join your team, if you're looking for people to partner with, do you want someone who says, I'm the most competitive person you'll ever meet? Yes. And I'll argue about it right now with you if, if you want. I'll, I'll, I'll argue that I'm the most competitive. 100%. That's who you want. Yeah. You want that type of thing because we need it every day. There's so much competition. And I remember when, I think it was at an all-star game back in the day, Dikembe Mutombo, the center, told Jordan, joking around, he's like, I'm the only guy you've never dunked on. <laughs> That's not what you want to tell Michael Jordan because guess what happened shortly after? Yeah. Dikembe got posterized, as they called it back in the day. So as we wrap up this conversation, we talked about the need for competitive. We talked about, you know, these mercy rules. Everybody gets a trophy in this generation that's growing up and not what it means for them and their in their ability right now, but what it's going to mean for our country down the road to not have that competitive nature when all the other countries are doing just the opposite and they're getting more competitive. Um, in America, you know, we were raised on winning. And and those of you out there listening to this who feel the same way, start talking about winning more. Don't, don't worry about what culture says. Don't worry about what some school district in Colorado wants to do. Don't worry about who the NCAA is going to say is the NCAA, uh, you know, 500-yard uh, champion for swimming. Do it in your own family. Do it in your own business. Yeah. Culture will tell you one thing. We're not going to listen to the culture. We're going to listen to what we say. Um, and in business, right, how can we step up? You said strike when the iron's hot. Let's take this to business right now. What does it mean every day for the person that's out there listening to this right now and saying, oh, you know, it's great to, you know, Michael Jordan quotes are great and Tom Brady is great and, you know, this is all relevant to what's going on right now and we're all talking about this. But for me right now today in my house, competing for my family, for their affection, competing for, um, you know, to keep my house clean, competing to, uh, you know, make more money, uh, competing to, you know, do something that's on my heart that God put on my heart, you know, like I'm competing for this book because I'm a writer and that's what gets me jacked. So for the person who's listening, the person on your team, when we think about winning for our team, there's, there's just faces that pop up. Because you know that people want it, and, and you're 
intimately involved. You know their sons and daughters. You know their husbands and wives. You know how bad they want it. You know their financial situation most of the time. And that's what keeps you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Okay? What advice can we give to them? And sometimes it's tough love, but how can they compete? Um, a lot of times the problem is you. I mean, most of the time the problem is you. You know, I'd look, there's that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a business model that maybe it's not right for you or that you're pouring time and energy into something that wasn't your assignment. You know, that's where I think we spend a lot of idle time as well. Is It's like the equivalent of, you know, pounding the keyboard when you have the pinwheel of death. You know, it's, it doesn't really get you anywhere. So you want to make sure you're on assignment first. But if you're on assignment and you're not, and, and something about it doesn't keep you up at night, then you're the problem. And if it does keep you up at night, but you don't do anything about it, then you're the problem. You know, so that might feel a little bit tough, but that's, it's the truth. You know, last night, you know, there's all kinds of other things that I could point to, you know, in, in business that become, you know, issues that need to be resolved or mitigated or fires that need to be put out or whatever. And those are external, but internally I have to fight the battle of, well, that's just the way that it is. So I might as well just throw in the towel or. I'm not going to accept that this is just the way that it is, and I want to do something to solve it. The people who win in this world are the people who solve problems. End of story. End of story. So if you're not willing to solve problems, and you're just willing to go take your problem to somebody or whine to mom or your leader about it, then you're the problem. You're either about a problem or about a solution. So my, the reason I was up at three in the morning was because I wanted to solve the problem, not because I wanted it to keep me awake at night and steal from me and destroy my ambitions and take away the fact that, you know, I, we have partners that rely on that. So I don't want people to just accept that this is the card they were dealt or this is the business model that they're in or what, no, solve the problem. And if you don't know how to solve the problem, round table with people that can see your blind spots, that are on the same page as you, that have a winning attitude. But if you get into a roundtable discussion with people that are going to complain and mope about it and then throw in the towel, well, then you don't have a team with winning attitude. So accept the fact that you're likely part of the problem if you're not doing anything about it to solve it. And, and I know you say that with love. I leaders, do. Leaders I do lead say by, it here's the thing. Lead, if otherwise, right. I'm telling you that complacency is okay, right. and your misery is, is, is basically your fate. And I'm not okay with telling you that. And, and that's why we have to give sometimes tough love. You know, if we go to Jeremiah 29, 11, um, I will prosper you. And you'll have some preachers who'll say, oh, look, you're going to get money. Just keep coming. And look, God says he's going to prosper you. It's not, he's, God was talking not necessarily about financially there. He was saying, I'm going to get you through this tough period. I'm going to get you, I'm going to bring you out of captivity. You got to believe in me. And when you believe in me, um, this is a tough love situation. I talk about this in the book coming up is when, when you're young, your parents will give you money um, as a reward for doing a chore. But there were other lessons that you didn't get money for that were way more valuable. Yes. Yeah. 
right? The, the, when your dad said, hey, you're not going to like this, but this is a lesson in virtue, or this is a les- lesson in patience or persistence. And at the time, you're like, well, I'd much rather have $10, dad, right? Well, this is going to serve you better. And so that statement that you just gave about tough love, that's going to help people to persevere. And, and that's what we need more than ever. Anybody that's done anything great or anything historical that's changed or any winning team has had a pivot. You pivot. You pivot in a game to turn things around. You pivot in life to change direction. You pivot in your mind in order to overcome something. You have to pivot. And I've, that's, my whole life has been about a pivot. Sometimes you pivot in the same assignment that you're in. Sometimes you pivot out of the, the land that you're in into a land of milk and honey and you're on the same mission. But regardless, you have to learn to pivot. And, and, and when you pivot with that attitude, then that's where you learn how to, how to win. That's where you also learn to take the losses. That's where you learn to have the risk-reward. But if you don't pivot and you just accept complacency, then you will remain stuck. And you're, you know, you're not a tree, okay? So that doesn't mean you have to stay where you are. It means that you get to pivot. And if you can pivot in that in a direction that solves a problem for yourself and for others, then you're you're pivoting in a direction that's actually going to lead you to victory. Pivot and one word, another P word is practice. You know, in in the speak up course, I always made people watch the interview with Allen Iverson where he just goes over and over like twenty four times. He says, We're talking about practice. Yeah. And practice. We're talking about practice. Yep. Not the game I love. Not the game I dedicate my life to. We're talking about practice. Practice. Really? Well, let me ask you a question. How many how many uh, NBA championships does Allen Iverson have? Zero. Zip. But I'm going to relate this directly to what you woke up in the middle of the night. If you read the book by um, Tim Grover. Yeah. Right? Relentless. Relentless. He talks about, uh, I believe he talks about Kobe uh, calling his trainer at 3 o'clock in yep. the morning. And saying, I need you to come over and stretch me. And the trainer gets there and Kobe's in a full sweat, right? So we can take those stories about NBA championships or any Tom Brady or anybody and say, well, at 3 o'clock in the morning you woke up and did some business. Because you strike when the iron's hot. You strike when the iron's hot. That's when you, pra- you practice when you well, – I, I, I asked myself that question or I asked God that question. It's like, what business do you have with me right now? You know, what – what are you, why do you have me wrestling right now or restless right now? And so when I wake up in the middle of the night, instead of just accepting that I'm anxious over thoughts, I ask God, like, what, what business do you, why do you want to get me up right now? What is this that you want me to, what do you want me to solve? What is, what is this on my heart? Is it on my heart just to worry and painstake me? Or is it on my heart because you want me to help solve it, improve it? fix it, take it into the land of milk and honey. And that's the reason why I got up and I started to do some work. And then once I laid it at the altar, because I was able to rest with it, I was able to then go back to sleep. So whether it's three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon or, you know, or midnight, if that's when the iron is hot, strike. So what if you lose some sleep? What, what else did you gain? that potentially would have gone under your complacency pillow. You gained something else supernaturally because you were willing to do something that most would not. And that's where we gain a competitive advantage every single time. 
Well, competitive advantages right now is is a life lesson for our children. Yeah. I mean, when Ella goes out there and, you know, she sees her friends that are getting their black belt, she's like, but I want to get my black belt too. Right. We've been on the road for a year. Yeah. And and so we want to instill that in her. Here's the thing. Ella's, Ella's winning attitude, she, she desires to be ahead of them or at the same level because she was the one that brought them there and she was there before they were. So I can understand the the frank the the frustration that she has and the anxiety that she has with it. But by the same token I have to instill in her I'm like Ella, the majority of those people that now got their black belt will rest because it's not a passion on their heart. They will rest because it was the end of the finish line for them. But in 3 years from now when you're a second degree black belt and they're still first degree, you're you won anyway. That's what we have to remember is like, are we mission focused or are we just goal focused? Because if I'm just goal focused, then I go ahead and I get my black belt and then I hang it up. But if my mission is to, is to, is to just always be better and be stronger and be wiser and, and have a winning attitude, then I'm going to be ahead no matter what. I'm going to be ahead no matter what. And that's, you know, that's what God puts on our heart innately. Amen. Well, Angelique, I, I wanted to thank you for letting me interview you because you didn't know it was coming. And uh, I remember, I'll leave it with this, Michael Jordan said, I, I was going to show everybody that nobody will ever outwork me. Nobody will ever work harder. So we all have to find that person in our life that drives us. And if you're a husband or a wife, you know, Angelique and I challenge each other every day to be more competitive. We, we compete against one another in a loving way, um, but we compete for our house, we compete for our, our family. We compete for our extended family and our business partners. But most importantly, we compete for the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Because we want to win that race. We want to, my, my, the servant that we want to be to the Lord is the most important. And we want him to welcome us one day saying. Well, he's, he gets glorified. Amen. You know, and not, again, we outwork people and we can outwork even ourselves but he gets the glory because it's it's through him that we receive these gifts and it is through him that we work harder on ourselves and it is through him like he helps us have that advantage he helps he can come through at the 11th hour but you got to show up to practice practice so my friends get out there practice and more importantly compete every day okay have a spirit of competitiveness in your house so you win your race And we'll see you next time on the Turned On Podcast.